A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And here we are, the first of a couple of podcasts coming your way in the feed, so you should go and hit subscribe wherever you get yours, be it Acast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Pocket Cast, uh, Player FM, Castbox, and all, all of the others as well. So uh, thank you very much for listening, we do appreciate it. This one's going to be focused on the Six Nations, you just heard Phil there, how are you doing Phil? Hello Tim, well, very when, well. When did you go back to work? Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Are you building a stadium at the moment still? Uh, I'm not really doing very much work on that now, but yes, we we are building a stadium. Uh, I thought you, I, I thought this was more like gardening chat in your back garden. <laughs> Jeez, <But> no, <laughs> young, young, young Thomas. Well, I will only the very best for young Thomas. <laughs> uh, except for the sale stadium, we can't have that, can we? Uh, not in its uh, previously proposed location. If you find me a good location, uh, are, you, are you building this stadium to make up? For your guilty conscience for what you did to say. <laughs> which, th- which, which stadium are you and your, um, com- I was going to say companions, colleagues, working uh, on? So we got some very good news last week. We're working on the Everton Stadium. Oh, nice. On, is that being built in the water, effectively? It, it is being built on on what is now a dock. a, a Not only a dock, a UNESCO World Heritage dock. Wow. Um, and where the stadium will be, where 54,000 uh, fans will be sitting in three and a half years time is currently water it is a dock wow that's incredible it's even more incredible the second biggest team i don't know i may i might get in trouble for saying that but <laughs> i know that there's two teams in the same city which is relatively small Fifty-four thousand seater stadium yeah what, what are you going to be uh, purchasing large quantities of as quantities of air, is it going to be concrete and then gravel to fill it in? Uh, well, <laughs> what's the chat? There's, there's going to be a lot of groundworks. There's um, a lot of reclamation, uh, a, a lot of draining, a lot of piling. A lot, a lot of looking at World War Two bombs. I imagine wow. that, that there's hopefully more than a bit of that. Hopefully no. Yeah. Some, hopefully some no. Chips. Yeah. Hopefully no burials. Um, hopefully no bombs or anything like that. Hopefully no really important artifacts you, are found. Do you know one of the main reasons that they can't? Build the bridge from the UK to Northern Ireland. I've I've, seen, I've read this. There's a trench, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> they dumped a load do, of do you know this, armaments. Oh, is that right? Yeah, there is a trench, right? Where it's like one of the deepest parts of the Irish Sea. Yeah, 
and they've literally just sailed out the Royal Navy when it's in its pomp and just dumped all their World War Two wow. mu- uh, munitions down there. <laughs> wow. Exciting, isn't it? If you're drilling down, yeah, a bit, bit risky. Wow. Uh, anyway, I haven't said hello to you, JB. Hello, Tim. Who is at JB Moore on Twitter? I'm at Cocker. Phil's lurking. We're at Rugby Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And yeah, Six Nations we're getting into right now, albeit only two games, but I'm sure we'll manage to stretch this out into at least <laughs> one hour per match. Um, minimum. Minimum. <laughs> Can we do uh, one hour 59 on one match and one minute on the, <laughs> on the other, please? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, did you. Uh, so we've all watched the two big games. We have. How? Uh, no, is the answer. I've did you not watch Italy uh, Island? No, because I don't have time for that nonsense. I watched <laughs> Sale versus Exeter live in the flesh. Yep. I watched Leicester Bristol. Now my mind gets a bit hazy now. Something else happened. Oh, that's right. So then Harlequins kicked off against Newcastle, Newcastle. which was ace, by the way, absolutely ace. Uh, let's not tomorrow for a break- breakdown of that one, and then the England game happened. And then the next day I watched Bath. So I'm not wasting my time watching the Italians. All right, well, <laughs> well very quickly, let, let's deal with uh, Italy Island. Then. Just one thing I'll, I'll introduce the podcast with is uh, I, I, I mentioned him when I went over to Munster a couple of times. Did you see him first? To watch Craig. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I've mentioned him. I mentioned him before. It was great to see Craig Casey getting a crack at nine, albeit I do feel very, very sorry for John Cooney. Um, yeah. As I've said before. Nonetheless. Very promising young scrum half, uh, and here is him singing uh, after his first cap. Oh, it sounds nervous, doesn't he? Oh. <laughs> but fair play. He's going for it, at least. Yeah, he is. Timing's OK. Than... He's uh, pitching's a bit off. Careless Whisper by uh, George Michael. That's a tough one. Tough one to tough one to do. So fair play. It's outside my vocal range. I'll, I'll certainly say. I, w- I would sing Gary Puckett, young girl. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you sung a song as a initiation thing, Phil? Uh, I've sung a few, I think, but I I just try and black it out. I think I do. I tend to pick something like um, Wonderwall or so, something where basically you, you have to ser- you have to sing. Half uh, half a verse yourself, and then everyone's with you. Uh, yeah. A nice safe one is uh, "Afternoon Delight" from Anchorman. Yeah, that is oh, everybody. Loves, everybody loves that song. Yeah, and that, it's a bit funny. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, I, I went Oasis when I did it. Um, what's the one? The one where he goes uh, sunshine because you can. <laughs> I can't remember which one that is now. It's, yeah, off, sunshine, it's off the sunshine. first album. Yeah, you are yeah. right. It's the one where they're lying on the floorboards, isn't it? It's on that album. Yes, After, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, first it's, album. It's the first album. Oh my word! That's the f- that's the unbelievable. That's the most um, music music thing. Most, uh, recent musical reference you've contributed <laughs> to, JB. It's the only one, actually. Um, but yeah, because th- then I can do the sort of spoof Liam Gallagher, which makes you f- sort of feel a bit more comfortable. Anyway, well done, Craig Casey. Good game. Ryan, um, Ryan Baird as well looks a proper talent. He is cool. I like Ryan him. And, yeah. In fact, I like yeah. both those players. I've seen them both recently. Yeah. Well, I say recently. On the odd occasion, I turn on the Pro 14, and usually their teams are battering some unsuspecting uh, uh, Scottish or Italian side, and they do look good. Mm. Yeah, they, the whole island team looked good in this game. Um, they had a nice combination of power and some exciting footwork out wide, like Keenan, Ringrose, Lama, all looking good. And I, I like that um, that bank, back row combination as well, with Ty Byrne playing six and Will Connors playing seven with uh, CJ at eight. Was Byrne wearing seven, though? But I know there was like more I, like... 
I think I think I'm sure that Connors was wearing seven, but yeah. in the pre-match announcement, that's right. Burn so had Ireland seven on his lost. back. That's right. Ireland have lost, haven't they, to France? They lost to Wales. France Wales from Wales, yeah. So they obviously win Italy, yeah, that's fine. So they've so, got to play England and Scotland. England at home. Yeah, you would say that's their, well, actually England and Scotland, so they've got a, a, a small chance of redemption. Yeah. If they win those remaining two games, you'd, you'd say it is redemption, because you can also put your, like, with a positive lens for Ireland, you could say they lost narrowly to an exceptional France team, yeah. and depending on how you slice it, you could say... Without the Peter Romani red card, so, they could have won against Wales. So I think Ireland are now the new Wales, in that their national sport seems to me to be rugby. As in, it's definitely the biggest professional sport in there. I, I know people might say uh, GAA or, or whatnot yeah. is, yeah. is well, kind of professional. Or, when you know. you're there, that's that's bigger, yeah. a bigger deal on a, that's on, on a human level. Yeah, it's definitely bigger culturally. Well, it's it's kind of amateur in the way that rugby used to be amateur before it was professional but yeah. for, for Ireland I mean their expectations are so high now because they're so good domestically that if they don't do any better than well they expect to be first or second every year yeah mm. just on the, the GAA um, this will probably mean nothing to you almost certainly but I had um, an opportunity to spend a couple of hours chatting unfortunately online to Kieran McGinney who is that means nothing to you looking at your faces but is one of the kind of all-time great GAA coaches. How? Through work? Through work, yeah. Because Langs is Irish. Of some, Lang O'Rourke, I guess, there's some, some Irish going on there. There is. Ray and Des are, well, big rugby fans. Big Irish rugby fans. Ah, do they know? Do they know what you do? Like, when you're uh, not at work? Have you kept the <laughs> podcast quiet from them? I tend to keep it pretty quiet. Um, I might have mentioned it to Ray once. That, that, might, that might help you climb. I don't know whether that would help you climb the corporate ladder or, <laughs> or actually be a, li- be a liability. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest, it's not helping me climb any corporate ladder. <laughs> yeah. well, at I, all. I, I would suggest that in Phil's case, he could use it in a job interview. So, tell me an occasion where you've uh, been in a challenging situation. <laughs> well, you had to mediate. <laughs> yeah, mediation. <laughs> or challenging conversations. <laughs> well, I think we could we could have a couple of those uh, today. So, yeah, uh, fair play, Island. And um, apologies if we don't go into great depth. I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll understand. I'll just, just before we go, I'll just give you one great anecdote from Kieran McGinney. Yes, it was, oh, yeah, it yeah, was like, really interesting. That yeah, you weren't just name-dropping. I wasn't just name-dropping like JB um, <laughs> with his uh, England players that he's constantly talking to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things he said, he said a lot of interesting things, but one I'll mention now was... Um, Instead of focusing on goals they have within the club, um, they have uh, points and a leaderboard for assists because it's all about the phrases. It's all about making the man alongside you look like a superstar. And I just thought that's a really interesting attitude. It's not about the individual glory. It's about the team, the collective glory. Can I give you an example of that today? Yes, please. From, from rugby. Yeah. A guy who does not get praised by us possibly ever. Uh, but did you see the performance of Reese Priestland? I did. He I... had two of the easiest shots in front of goal, both of which he turned down. And if he'd have got either of those shots, he would have broken the broken Johnny record and Mark Van Gisbergen's record. Yep. Of most consecutive, consecutive kicks. kicks. Yeah. And I thought that was that was quite cool actually to say mm. no. I'll get my kick later. Yeah. I mean, his kicking. He's he's, he's been playing really well actually, and. The, <laughs> Mixed views on that one. So earlier on in the year, less so, but since Bath have actually been putting some good results, he's been playing well, and I, I wonder how much his pressure of Schumann 
see Hans Schumann coming in. Yeah. And how much actually is, well, maybe he's got to play for another contract, not necessarily at Bath. Oh, no, he signed. Has he? Yeah, he signed for Blues now. Yeah. Oh, it's, sorry. It, yeah, he has. Official. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it strikes me. As if he... Sorry, we don't want to talk about yeah, this. No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. Let's not Tim, get into this Tim's now. Yeah. We've got, there's plenty of talking points for the uh, midweek domestic podcast. Um, so, yeah, solid win for Ireland. They put away some good scores. Power, uh, power I think, was uh, one thing that you saw coming to the fore, which was good to see for Ireland, because um, I think they got... That, that Wales game will have... Uh, and, and France, to a lesser degree, will have uh, sort of shocked them a little bit that they weren't able just to win an arm wrestle. Anyway... Yeah. England versus Wales. Well done, Wales, and that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, that's, <laughs> where should end really? <laughs> well, well done, Wales. I, yeah. Genuinely, genuinely, Wales had so many moments in this game where you thought, I, I naively as an England fan thought, right, England are going to kick into gear, and England did at times when they kicked into gear, they looked great. But Wales just they were pragmatic, they were sensible, they had the kicking game. They when Sheedy came on, I thought. As an England fan, I thought, oh, great news, you've got the, the experience bigger going off. Sheedy was brilliant. Yeah. Sheedy was absolutely sensational. And do you know what that is? A large part of it, at least in my opinion, and which happens to coincide with the narrative I've been spinning, which is <laughs> Sheedy's playing for top team. And he's used to trying to win the, win these games because he's on the sharp end of the premiership week in, week out now. And they, you know, he at Bristol needs to learn to do that because if Bristol are going to win anything big, they've already won one trophy, yep. but now they want a senior trophy. And it's guys like that that need to come through and prove themselves not only on the club stage, but on the international stage. And I thought that's exactly what he did. He did. He did in that scenario. He, he, he played really well. And he was he was fundamental in closing out that game. Exactly. To come on and kick those kicks under that pressure. It was, it was 45 minutes. Bigger got taken off yeah. five minutes that, into I mean, the second half. I thought that, what a bold move from Pivak. Yeah, yeah I, I thought maybe... A, a, too bold from Pivak but he, and he timed it just right this sounds awful to say to, about a guy who's just played so well in an international game Sheedy doesn't strike me as an absolute top end fly half he strikes me as a guy who fits in very well in a team of superstars and does his job but he, he, he did great Yeah, but absolutely great he, he, he was brilliant and he took his points because he missed a couple two weeks ago that mm. could have been costly but, but weren't and um, he redeemed himself 100%. And in the case of the, the halfbacks for Wales in that second half, you had Hardy, who's 25 years old, and Sheedy, who's. 24 and 25, yeah. About, about the same. So they're both, they're both about 25. And this sort of tap just quickly refers back to a conversation last week about how we were trying to solve the Premiership and stuff. And if you want to look for uh, the reason why, just do not forget about the Championship and why you need a really strong second tier in English rugby, those two guys. Spent time at Jersey in the very recent past. Well, I yeah. mean, if you want to spend time in the time in the championship, you can spend time with Saracens now. I mean, you know, to say that England aren't relying on the championship is well, quite a, quite a statement. They really <laughs> well, they're, well, they're not because they're not playing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just just on on this narrative of you have to be playing at a top team, I don't get it because I, I I understand what you're saying, and I do think that playing in European Cup matches and knockout games and playoff matches. Absolutely, that is the proving ground for international rugby. And, you know, Callum Sheedy is an example of a guy who's experienced all of that, winning a trophy last year. Um, but you, 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 I remember you saying that with George Ford, just because he's at Leicester and just because Johnny May's at Leicester, 
who were at the bottom of the table, therefore they shouldn't be in the English squad. I just, I, I don't get that. I, I don't get that. Logic. Yeah, I still stand by that. In fact, if anything, it's really starting to strike home now because these lads who are, particularly the Leicester boys, they've played for their club once this year. So the flyhoff for Leicester is not George Ford; it's Zach Henry. And the less they seem to go through, something like the less they play, for some reason, the more valuable, the more valuable that they get. And I'm looking at the rest of the table here who are knocking lumps out of each other and performing week in, week out. And I'd be very concerned as both the Premiership and as the players who are not in the England team, because the players who are not in the England team are thinking, what do I need to do more? You know, what oh, I know, I, I totally get that. that that's and, a question about yeah. form, but I'm just saying and the, for, the actual team you play in and where they are in a table can be irrelevant because you can be an outstanding player, as George Ford has been for Leicester, yeah. an outstanding, ver- but, verging on at times, world-class player in a poor team. Yeah, but Leicester have got the two England halfbacks. They've got the England loose head. They've got an England winger. And the problem, I think more of a problem for the league, and I mentioned this earlier on this week, is that if the league have got an exceptional circumstances rule, and one of the reasons for that exceptional circumstances rule is so we can see English talent playing in in the English league, the guys who people who want to see play week in, week out for their club, and they're not playing, it's like this double whammy. So the players that are playing are no longer... Um, motivated by England because Eddie's got his favourites and the clubs aren't getting the benefit of the England players because they're not showing up in their club. And we've talked about that for years and years and you can say some of the top teams, the teams at the top of the table, like Sale Sharks, you could argue are in the top four because they've gone, now let's get get in some Saffers. Mm. And there there is a, this season more than any, there is a little bit of chicken and egg to, um, if you've got a load of players playing for England, they're not playing for your team, therefore you're less likely to to be competing in the top four. I think... What we need to ask is, did the Premiership, and I know the answer to this before I, before I ask it, did the Premiership handle the Saracens' relegation properly? And the answer has to be no. So what they should have said is, look, if you're going down, you're not going to play. You need to go on loan or you need to do something. And just to put this into real stark contrast, the players that have gone down for Saracen, Saracens, we can debate how well they played later. Uh, but the guy who does play, or the two guys who are forcing away into the England team now, are the two guys playing at Bristol. Because they're getting that exposure week in, week out. They're looking sh- sharper and sharper and sharper. And the other guys seem to be ossifying. And it's not really that good. Well, let's get on to the, to the game itself. And, well, just on those Saracens players, I'm, I've watched the game again today. And I'm not nearly as... When the emotional sting was taken out of it, as I was gutted yesterday and I was tense, I reckon I probably so. Uh, I've got Vitality Life Insurance, and you uh-huh. get you get points for doing for doing <laughs> a workout. I reckon my watch probably gave me eight points for yesterday. Just sitting watching the game, my heart rate was <laughs> was that high. It would have thought I was doing a workout, but um, watched it again today in the in the cold light of day. And I wasn't nearly as disappointed but you should be. as I was yesterday. You should be. You've, you've lost to Wales. You've oh, lost no, no, no. I'm, that's I'm, 40 points. I'm gutted to have lost to Wales. Absolutely gutted. But I just want to say, uh, there's so many things England did so brilliantly well. And even, I'll, I'll just say, I'll say to anyone, go back and just watch 30, 33 minutes to 43 minutes, the 10 minutes before the halftime whistle blew, and England played as well then as they did against New Zealand in the World Cup final. Yeah, uh, yeah so, I remember. So, yeah, I would agree. I'd agree with that. The bit that's frustrating is they they did they did that in a couple of patches, yeah. one in the first half, one in the second half. They didn't for huge parts of their game down to their own failings. And the majority of the failings were 
penalties yep. that were there was we, we'll get on to the refereeing decisions but there was a load of total brain dead penalties that England gave away again loads of total coming in from the side of the rook not being on not uh, supporting your body weight not on your feet um, in front of the the uh, guy who's just knocked on the ball and picking it up like basic basic mistakes that they were they were basic mistakes but they did the criminal thing of compounding basic yeah, mistakes totally. by making what seemed to happen was when they'd make one when they give one penalty away, they try and correct it by going a little bit harder or going into the contact a little bit sooner or just making a bad decision, which made, like in the first five minutes was almost an identical repeat of the Scotland game where they get into Wales's 22, they give three consecutive penalties away, they find themselves in their 22, give another penalty away and it's three yeah. points. They made the game so it wasn't a level playing field effectively. Yeah. yeah, and when it was when it was twenty four twenty four, and we'd seen either side of half time a couple of brilliant patches of England play twenty four twenty four, and they're in Wales is twenty two. I think it's Mako gives away a, a penalty, and then it's uh, Ellis Genge gives away a penalty, then Johnny Hill gives away a penalty, and that leads to the yeah. Kieran Hardy score. And then, it's just, and then and in that last bra- 10 minutes... Brain when dead is the word. But three, the scores, three. I mean, to let Kieran Hardy just run through your defence like that I know. is no, no, well, unbelievable. Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah. That's, that's, Elliot, that's Elliot, probably worse than both the... Elliot, da- that, uh, Elliot Daly made a few errors in the game. That it will keep him awake at that, night. It, that is unforgivable. Yeah. That That is... That is school, and to be—it's literally th- what you're taught in school. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot it, of podcasters, a lot of other podcasters, wouldn't know that about rugby. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is total schoolboy, and to have the first the the cross kick try, which we'll get go on to the detail of that later. But to have that happen to you for right for better or worse, right or wrong, and then still make that schoolboy error. You're it, so he's, right. There's a freeze frame from behind the goal, and Elliot Daly is he's got his back turned to the ball when. Um, it's unbelievable. Pascal gives the the decision. It is so basic, and I, I thought, I thought Elliot Daly had a particularly bad game. Actually, I thought he his handling was bad. He didn't attack the line at pace. His positioning was exploited. As England fullback, I think in games he has, but he's over a long period. Lions, he started for the Lions. Let's not forget. Yeah, well, on the wing. Wasn't it? it was on the wing. Yeah, it was yeah. on the wing. But he, you know, you don't get into a Lions back three if you're not. I think he's exceptional. Yeah. I, I honestly think he's. Brilliant player, but I just never think he's looked comfortable at fullback for. Well, yeah. he's, ne- he's never really had a stint playing there um, for a club. Yeah, because he never really played there for Wasps. Played he thirteen all didn't he? Yeah, he played thir- thirteen pretty much mostly for Wasps as I as I remember. And then for Saracens, they used him. Well, in reality, they probably bought him as a as a thirteen because Bosch was retiring. And uh, they had well, Good and Liam Williams when he signed. Yeah. So why you're not you're not buying him as a fifteen? And the the stark difference in terms of a someone who's been a fifteen all the time and reads the game like a fifteen was Liam Williams's anticipation before the Maro Atoji charge down when he could have scored. Yeah, L- Liam Williams is already motoring just just in case yeah. as an insurance policy. Well, uh, yeah, I know we don't want to talk about the Premiership just yet. But look at Mike Brown last week. Like that was one of the most accomplished displays. Who were they playing? Was it Sale? No, it wasn't. Who Quinns were playing? They were playing someone. Um, they, they played a team. They played a game of rugby. And Mike Brown, I thought Mike was Brown was amazing, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, he was. the way he covered the short. Well, it was you know, Sale, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, it, it must have been. It was. Yeah, it was because like how often does Sam James try and unlock you with those short kicks? And he was just there to collect everything. 
And I made, I think I made the point last week that he might not be an international fullback anymore at the top, at the highest level, but he might still be England's best fullback. Yeah, which is, it's a sad state of affairs, really, that mm. you've, you've had, it's been, I'd say, two or three years Mike Brown played in the summer of 2018 in South Africa. On the a, wing. On the wing, yeah. And I don't think he's played much since then. So you're talking th- best part of three years. Yeah. He, he's, I mean, he's 35 now. He'll be 36 later this year, Mike Brown. If the Lions went ahead, wouldn't it be weird if he went along, bearing in mind he didn't make the last one? He didn't make the last two yeah. when, he, when he was arguably in his prime. I'd, I'd, I'd probably say um, up there is the, the yeah. best uh, fullback for the last two Lions. Hmm. But yeah, Daly didn't have a good game. I mean, of, of the other Saracens lads... I thought Billy had his best game in absolutely ages. Yeah, he played really he, well. He was good. He, he, he was better. No, I think Billy was... He was legitimately I, good. I, I thought Billy had... Uh, genuinely, I thought he was the best England forward, and I thought he had... Tom his, Co- I thought Tom Curry, Tom was, Curry was awesome as well. Tom, Tom Curry played well. Uh, actually, so Tom Curry's mistake coming in from the side late yeah, on that, that gave was, one that, of the three penalties oh, that was, was schoolboy. Yeah, but that Tom, was Tom Curry did something that was... Superhuman was the charge down and regather. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That was unbelievable. Like, there's often times where you watch professional rugby players and you think, "God, that's good." And that was that's one of the. Like, it, it's you cannot possibly train for that. It is just having the reactions and awareness. And, and then it's the awareness remarkable. just to pop it up really gently to a player running onto yeah. it as well. That was, we'll some soft hands though. Yeah. yeah, that was that was genuinely superhuman. Uh, did you get one which was superhuman but you got pinged for it? Marrow. Yeah, awesome. That was. Marrow pinching the ball off Kieran Hardy. Yeah. I, 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 when I did rewatch that, the I mean, I think it's legit. I think that one is correct in with the letter of the law. I, I think Marrow probably is. I still reckon you know that that nine, nine times yeah. out of ten, or nine, nine teams out of nineteen times out of twenty, or twenty nine times out of thirty, that we, we, we applaud that and the ref lets it go, and no Agreed. one says I think that should have been a penalty. Agreed. Yeah. So, I, and when I rewatched the game, I did think. Some of the penalty decisions were really pedantic. Um, Some, yeah, the, but the pedantic ones, I've not got... I mean, I hate that way of refereeing, but I've got less of an issue because yeah. it, it's for both teams. He was yeah. he was pedantic around the rook, around he the was, infringing yeah. for both teams. Wales adapted to it much better. Why was much did? smarter. Why was he speaking English? <laughs> or Welsh? Why, Why was he speaking Welsh? Welsh? Yeah. I, I just don't understand that at all. I thought it was disrespectful. It was disrespectful. But I... I on, on the broader point, when we come away from this, I, I think, you know, and a lot of people have been saying, we said it in the autumn and in the first couple of games, England haven't fired. So that's that's the one thing I really take from this is when England did click, George Ford looked ace and his distribution was brilliant. Henry Slade was getting the outside shoulder. Yeah. Um, and you were, you were getting him in space and England ripped Wales to shreds but do you know why they looked and looked so good. Do you know why they looked ace? It's a quick ball. No, because they're the best players in the Northern Hemisphere. No, no, no. Like, no. They are awesome. No, no, no. Well, yes, but it was it was, <laughs> it was it was it was basic stuff. So it was Billy Vanapola actually made a massive difference here because yeah. he got across the game line yeah. and then you had his brother Mako doing the same on a second phase and then suddenly they're a man I'd, but you also stretched had, out wide and... What surprises me is not that they did look like a world-class team for 10 minutes. It's more that they didn't continue to look like a world-class team for the whole game. I mean, yeah. because that's what you expect from them. And So when I sound like I'm just hammering into Owen Farrell or hammering... He, in, was, in, he was good as well. But it's not good enough. No one well, near good enough. Well, what, what do you want more from Farrell? I'll give you yeah, a great, In yesterday's game. Well, I mean, I put him at blame for the damn bigger crossfield kick. Um, 
Right. Okay. Ooh, well, I think let's, let's, yeah, I think let's just hit, put, yeah, hit pause on that. We'll, yeah. yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just the whole the whole squad looked looked a bit rusty. What's it? No, Owen Farrell. He just wasn't good. He just wasn't good. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't just. I can't I say think like. I, I thought. I thought Fazal had a good game. But as how well. can you have a good game when you lose by sixteen points? It, so it wasn't Farrell going in at the side or going off his feet uh, he didn't or coming around the side. Yeah, was, yeah. He, Farrell. Farrell in isolation played well. Now, he, he, and think, he also, I will say, on tackling, which he's been much maligned for, he's clearly changed his behaviour because he was flying in waist height and lower. Not smashing George, which is, George, know, George yeah. North, which is very impressive for the England captain. Um, which is one thing that <laughs> M- Mitchell and Proudfoot have both said yeah. that they've yeah. they've they're, like they're actively working to make sure that um, yeah. they make sure to use Farrell's phrase at the end. They control their controllables. Yeah, and I, I do like I love that phrase. Criticism, <laughs> criticism is absolutely due, but. I, I just I'm I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and steer you away from forcing a you, a square peg in a round hole with the with the predetermined narrative you had before the game. Well look I look I Hang on, the predetermined narrative was Wales are awful. Pivacow. Oh yeah, you're right, Pivacow. These players wasn't are all it? past it, they've got no chance. <laughs> Wales to lose by thirty well, points. I, yeah, I mean maybe we talk about that in a second, but uh, how <laughs> Wales have won a triple crown. They could easily be zero and three. They, they could they be. easily be zero and three. Well, but then I guess including every, this game. In the Six Nations every year is you have all the. I remember. I remember two years ago, 2019, when Wales won a Grand Slam. The morning of the game, when Wales beat England, whatever it was, 20 points to 12. The morning of the game, you're in my kitchen having a coffee, and you were saying there is no way that Wales can do this. Every play, look at the matchups: Tipperick against Tom Young's, no chance. Whoever was playing six, um, Wainwright against Underhill, no chance. Yeah, um, I think Moriarty may have even been playing eight. Moriarty against Billy Van Apple, no. Like, you're reeling through, and it's you can make those comparisons but in Six Nations rugby which is always an arm wrestle a, a one game home, win is a massive success the home, the home nations I've got to say like a one point with win with the sorry. players England have got I, I can't help I can't help but think that they should be doing better than shipping 40 points I don't know I looked at that Wales team and it's a bloody good team it's really it's, good it's a great team like I mean, you, domestically got, they do nothing in the well, club maybe, scheme but uh, maybe maybe that's a thing like Alan Wynne-Jones has not played for the Ospreys for has yeah. he played to, to, at all this year? I don't even know. I he no might have idea. played half a game because he, he's been injured for quite some time. There was he was touching go whether he was going to make the tournament. He's, he's thirty five. He looks absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and in has a he... leadership role and his li- exactly. line out was disrupting everything. And, and I know we, you know, in the autumn, understandably, people were going, "Oh no, is he going to? He might, he might play, he might be playing himself out of the Lions now." He's such a brilliant shit house. Like, and I'm, I mean, yeah. this is a massive compliment. The, he wound up. So many English players, yeah. little grabbing shirts, like not letting well, Ellis. Mario does the same thing, doesn't he? They're both yeah. experts yeah. at it. Not letting Ellis Genge get away from a ruck, and then about a, a minute later, Ellis Genge makes a, a silly, di- silly decision, and so he just he's so good at that, and um, and for that reason, I just go, I almost go, go into, well, depending on where the games are, let's say it were going to South Africa, God, just make him, make him, make him captain, even at thirty-five, are... even if someone might be playing slightly better. I know these are really kind of unfair points, but when you disassemble the Welsh squad, right, and you look at the lads who they've pinched from England, or sorry, not pinched, but you know played in England and could have been English in uh, you know, in a different time, you know, how far down the pecking order of fly halves is Callum Sheedy? How far down the pecking order of tight props would Thomas Francis be? How you know, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, would Josh Adams even have made it in, into England team? He would now because he's an established international. But would he when he was at Worcester? I'm not sure he would. 
Probably not. So, you know, when well, I say Nick, that these Nick, are better players in England, I really do mean it. They are better players. Not every one of them, man for man. Johnny Williams plays for for uh, Wales. England had all the time in the world to sign up John, John, Johnny Williams. Never never decided to do so. No, and Nick, he's, uh, no. And Nick Tompkins. And Nick, Nick Tompkins. I mean, you know. So, when you, when you look at all the talent that England have, it's not the fact that they've played like a world-class team for 10 minutes. Like, why didn't you do it for half an hour? 40 minutes? Oh, yeah, of course. And, yeah. And, and Phil's already mentioned the reason, which is penalties. They just... they um, it, Like, rugby is a... You know, and Rob Baxter has, has spoke to you about this. Like, pressure. You apply pressure. You build pressure. Mm. And England just opened the pressure valves and just let... Yeah. They let Wales off the whole so, game. And here's a stat. Russ, Russ Petty, uh, credit him for this one. In 2019, when England got to a World Cup final, over the course of the games in that year... England averaged 7.2 penalties. Yeah. yeah. In 2020, it's nine. And it must be close to 54, you know, 15 now. Well, before yesterday's game, or was it? Yeah, uh, England are at 14. Talk H aim for eight. Yeah. When, when, when Ireland beat um, the All Blacks, I think in both games, they were like five or six penalties yeah. in the game. That That's what you've got to be aiming for. And the, the number of England penalties that are... It's it, ultimately it's just laziness. Yeah. It's the the coming in slightly from the side, not getting back behind the foot, not it's, reacting, it's, isn't it? Not yet, yeah, not reacting. The, but so but the two of the two of the same ones where the line out in the second half where Marrow did it and then Charlie Yules did it. You land Ju- in jump, offside position, jumping across the line out, so you land in the middle of the Welsh side of the mall. Mm. Yeah, but just, it's it's just it's just I mean, dull. Yeah. J- I mean, Johnny Hill's one before the Kieran Hardy. Try oh, that he did, yeah, he did the, the quip tap for is one of the most brain dead of all. Like the ball is won, the ruck is lost, and Johnny Hill comes in and do you, okay. Oh, so just, I'm, I'm, you know what I think about this. So I'm going to step back and say, do you put no blame at all on this for Eddie selecting? Well, two things for Eddie selecting players who are out of form, and and then if you don't blame Eddie for the selection of players that are out of form, um, do you therefore just let the players off who were who've had these brain-dead decisions, where does the blame lie? Because, I, you know, if I was an English fan, I'd want blood. Well, OK, I'll just say one brief thing, and then yeah. I'll hand over to Phil. And the one brief thing I'd say on that is, I have sympathy for any coach who has players making individual brain-dead decisions the way England did. Because no coach or coaching team goes out and does that. I don't know how much that can be a, a culture thing, that that means that players end up doing that, but it was it was individual errors. I mean, you can't legislate if you're a coach for Elliot Daly turning his back on a on a on a ball. Well, you could not pick him. That would be my. Yeah, but you don't know he's going to do it. Yeah, but if he's out of practice, no, I no, would say it's not. No, you know, it's almost like. Well, yeah, you, you, you can't. You can't. If he can't prove to you that he's the best fullback in England right now, should he be playing? But he, arguably, he did. Six seven weeks ago, because he was in a camp only seven weeks before full England camp with, yeah, with multiple I games. Pay no attention to camps because well, no, no, with, games. Mul- with multiple games, they played five six games in the autumn, didn't they? Yes, they had, and then they break whilst everyone is playing their rugby, and at that point, that's when I think that you've got to reassess it. But it, it's so individual players are different, as we, we spoke about the other week. Individual players are different, mm. and some players. Maintain standards and some players obviously drop off and you can see within that game of the players who've not had a huge amount of rugby some were still very very good and some like Elliot Daly particularly I think he's probably the, the most notable example didn't react to it well yeah. um, 
Now, how much of that is the pressure of the situation? How much is attributable to him just making those mistakes? How much is attributable to to not playing games previously? That's anyone's guess. But I, I think I think Eddie's in a difficult position, a partly difficult position with Daly of his own making because he's pushed Daly to be the starting fifteen. Yeah, he has. That's 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 purely um, Eddie Jones's decision, and you could say for the last three years it's. Uh, maybe an experiment that's not worked out mm. but they, with other players like I, I said before I thought Billy was exceptional like really exceptional I, I thought he played poorly in the last two games but he was, he was genuinely exceptional in this game you would have thought when you, if Sam Simmons had been in camp for instance for the last well just, just in camp in general I'm not saying that he makes a difference because I don't think he'd play but maybe he makes a difference in the, the lads thinking, God, I need to really up my standards here. I need to up my standards because Sam Simmons is absolutely ace. Or, uh, I mean, he, we, we, he selected George Martin into the squad, who clearly, as we've said, is a, is a real in- fantastic prospect for Leicester and long-term for England. But he wore a tracksuit for 80 minutes. Yeah. And, and if you, So yeah. why not a Don Brandt or a Simmons? Why not? I mean, Don who Brandt. actually, you could, you could sort of go... Yes, a European Player of the Year, playing knockout games, winning trophies. He's got a he's got a, a, a he's got a mentality of an elite player. I could trust him for fifteen minutes I, in a I test mean, match. Don Brandt, uh, Care, a few others from Holocons, uh, a few of the Holocons lads this week came on, and they nearly rescued a game which I thought thought was dead. How much would an England fan love to see Don Brandt? And Simmons could come off the bench because you could potentially get you could potentially use both of them. Well, you had Willis and uh, Earl. Yeah. Last week, didn't you? Or two weeks ago. I mean, that's just bench. so dynamic. Or, uh, I mean, using a bench spot for Yules is tricky. Interestingly, on Martin, I've been talking to people and people around, well, people around him, let's put it that way. And one person describes him as a future great. That's that's how much they rate him. I know he's really talked up by the so. Yeah. The Leicester fans and, and yeah. coaches. But but and, he's on the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's going he's gonna to learn. Yeah. Pretty much nothing from from that because he didn't do anything. Yeah, and here's another thing for you as well. No, actually, I'm not going to talk talk about. That. I'll save that for the midweek pod. So because... uh, yeah, just in answer to your question on the the the, the it, I don't know. It's the I think it's too easy a solution to say England made England are giving away loads of penalties. I blame Eddie Jones. Clearly, there is something going on, and it's mm-hmm. it's complex and nuanced, and I don't understand how what the preparation is meaning. It comes out like that. Is it the personnel? Is it selection? I don't yeah. know. So here's, so here's I don't, I, but it's too hard. It's too. It's too easy. It's too easy and out to just make a binary. That's the reason. So rather than blame Eddie Jones, do you have any time for the idea that the blame lies with the Saracens' relegation and the powers that be at that time, which I don't think is Eddie Jones's full responsibility of saying, lads, you're all ace. You're clearly our England team all five of you or however many they want to use but like Earl and like the other fella who I forget you have to go out and play on loan I, I, I could, you I, have to do I that I would have understood that uh, equally I'll just back up what Phil said Billy Vanapolo was ace yesterday so was Mako but he wasn't the week before oh, in fact, he was, yeah he wasn't no, no, he, he wasn't, wasn't the week before no he wasn't but, he was I, but, but you don't know how much of that what the causation correlation between him not playing for Saracens because Johnny Sexton uh, and loads of Ireland players Johnny will Sexton. play will play a handful of games for their province in the jo- whole yeah. season. Well, actually, funny enough, Johnny Sexton, one of the criticisms of Johnny Sexton is he doesn't get enough rugby before. And it is individual. It's, it's absolutely individual. But with that, that's why you say you've got to go on loan. You've got to be play, playing rugby. But it I, makes no sense not to be. So I, 
I was actually very much in favour of them not of being um, particularly in Lions. Yeah, yeah that, and that was that was it. I thought yeah. I thought it actually worked out quite well. Now we're we're seeing it again a mixed bag. With some players seem to adapt to it well, some players definitely not so much. Yeah. Um, I, I still would have on the penalties though. I don't. I don't know. Genuinely, I don't know what to attribute it to. Like the, the the change from previous years, exactly as you highlighted, or Russ Petty highlighted, the change from previous years is so stark that with just the number of and it's it's totally. I said it before. It's just totally brain dead penalties, like those flopping off your feet or coming in from the side of the rook or the Johnny Hill one. All of those are they are so easy to correct. So easy to correct that I can't. I can't attribute it to leadership, really, or coaching. I mean, maybe that's it, but I don't know. I don't know what a coach would do different to, or would be doing wrong that leads to that as the consequence. I, mean, I can't. It, I can't figure it, out. It, it may well be personnel in terms of. Well, I just look at look at Wales, and whilst you might say man for man, oh, he's a better player than than him, or England to Wales. Wales are incredibly streetwise, and they always were under Gatland as well. Yeah, and, yes, and and they, and they are now, and they um, and they all sacrificed their firstborn. Do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. So may it may I wonder? Okay, and here's here's a thing, and again, I don't know if this is the case, but this would be my theory. Think back to when England were outdone for a, for, for forty minutes of rugby by the Italian Fox defence, uh, and. I wonder if the and I've said this before. I wonder if the Premiership, fantastic competitive league as it is, a brilliant, brilliant spectacle. I wonder if actually the nature of it being so physical, so abrasive, breeds players who are too focused on just smashing, bludgeoning their opposition, and as a result, you don't get the the rugby brains. And whereas the Pro 14, and you look at the Wales squad, they are full of guys who. I think their brains are ticking over and feeling the game in a different way, which is why one of the things I would say for guys like Don Brandt, I think he's the sort of guy who who reads a rugby game very differently to a lot of the guys in the England squad. I think what you say about the Premiership is true to the extent which you can certainly build a team like that. There are definitely the players and the avenues that you can build a team who just wants to pound pound you into the ground. And I'm all for that. I mean, I'm not saying that like as a joke. I am all for it. South Africa did it. I would do it. If, if I was in charge of England, I would build pretty much the same sort of pack as Eddie Jones wants to build. And a back line that's about the same as well. As in, as the same as the pack. Yeah, I mean... Like Simmons, uh, Benel... If I could get my hands on Ustazen from Quinns, I would be playing him. <laughs> uh, with Jamie Roberts for the outside break. Uh, you know, no, I would want a big physical team. That said, the Premiership is a pretty broad church, and you look at the lads that are is in it, there. Is it really though? Yeah, because I'm, I'm not. I don't think it like, is. You know, you got your Cipriani's, your Mark Atkinsons. The, yeah. the difference is they're just not as Marcus Smiths. They're just not as valued. Danny Cares. Well, no, but when a team tries, to, Sam James. When a tr- when a team tries to go down that route, as Chris Boyd did very successfully in his first season with Northampton, but then it comes unstuck because. I, I just want. It's not the way you win games. That, I, I that's don't, why. I don't know if it is the reason, but I wonder if um, it's a hobby. That the physic, the physical bludgeoning, brute force nature of the Premiership. One of the things I absolutely love about it, and why it's so hard week after week, actually creates test players which aren't aren't attuned to. 
being a streetwise. Oh, I don't know. Because I like, don't know if it's that. I'd, maybe not because then yeah. England, England won the World Cup and got to a World Cup final. And yeah. Saracens race. Saracens yeah. an extra race. Yeah, but Sa- Saracens race because they they built it on South African identity. Sail Sharks are doing the same right now. Ex- an Exeter. I mean, they've got a lot, a lot of Zimbabweans. And Namibia, I guess. yeah. And, and Exeter bl- have that balance of absolutely bludgeoning a team. But and then... Yeah. You need... They, a, you've got... You, name a, a, a team that's won anything yeah, without the the, the yeah. forwards I mean, to carry the piano. Even even the great teams who you think of as really nice ball players, like, for instance, Leinster, who are undoubtedly great ball players. My word, did they have good packs? Yeah. Or the, the, the French teams in the late nineties, yeah. yeah. well, any time previously, which had magician backs, but they also had horrible, nasty, yeah, nasty. massive yeah, right. packs. You just I get don't bigger, know. the biggest know, men I, I, you can get your hands on, and only in exceptional circumstances where you need a, a skill set different like do you ever deviate and go for smaller <laughs> guys. No, just just on that, who is the biggest English winger playing in England? The biggest English. winger. Well, the obvious answer is Banahan. Den- Denny Solomona. Oh, Banahan, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Banahan would be. I mean, he's probably not really a winger anymore. No. He, played, he played 10 last week. Harry Malinder, if you chuck him on the wing, but he's not really a winger. Yeah, and he's not He's not like a Julian Surveyor type, is he? He's no. he's tall. He's like 6'4 or 6'5. Yeah, you're right. No, it's just a... It, Denny's it, fairly big. Uh, I tell you who's quite... Denny, a, Denny's not that big, is he? He's a, well, he's a pretty depends, big unit. Depends if it's just after Christmas or not. <laughs> uh, who else is it? I'm trying to think. Who else? They're not. There must be some. No, you're right. Aaron, not. Mossy, Aaron Morris is reasonably big, but not enormous. Hmm. Chisholm's reasonably big. But actually, the England wingers that are looking great. Thorley's fairly big, size. Thor, yeah, Thorley's, Thorley's a good shout. How, how big Thorley's? He's not massive. He's maybe six two and a hundred kg. Yeah, he's not um, Aurelian uh, Rougery. But England, yeah. England have got a couple of little uh, hot stepping wingers like. Nick David at Worcester's looking ace. Nick David, look, do you see his try this weekend? Yeah, the guy's. No, I haven't seen it yet. It is mega. Yeah, is it, it really? is absolutely mega. We'll talk about it on the uh, the midweek podcast. I, I don't want to. I don't want anyone to just shy away from the fact that we are. I, I think rightly should give Wales massive credit. And 100%. yeah, I'm, I'm not just saying this because um, JB was very down on them in the autumn. I think a lot of people were, and I'm just really pleased for for Wayne Pivak. Uh, because he's got there's an identity there. Don't I think, be too pleased. There, <laughs> please, please, right now, you've got to be pleased with three three wins from three. Yeah, this, I can't help but feel this is going to come undone horrifically. <laughs> and the more success they have, the worse it's going to be. Mm. You know, at some point, this can't continue. It can't continue. Wow. But maybe it does, and I'm wrong. Can we talk some more refereeing decisions? Ooh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So can, yeah. can we talk? So. Let's let's well, let's work up in the order in my mind. Well, so, oh, I, I kind of think that you want to talk about the two early ones at the same time because I think they're linked. Okay, as in the knock-on and the and the kick. Okay, because the other one I wanted to just touch on briefly was the. I mean, there was a few like this, but it told you being offside. Ball ball comes out the back of a scru- uh, back of a rook. Um, Itoji reads it. The ball's clearly out. He goes and snaffles Hardy and gets pinged for offside. I know, that, yeah. Like things like that, and mm. that that type of decision happened a few times. I'd say three or four, where it was clearly a wrong decision in open play. And that's, I think, 
maybe one of, one of them happened against Wales and a few of them, two or three of them happened against England. That or, stuff or, is... Or there was one where um, Mako Vinopola rightly got pinged offside when it yeah. came, off, came off one of his players, went yeah, forward it Johnny and, he, May or someone and, it came and off. he regathered it. Uh, but then Josh Navidi did exactly the same thing, right in front of the ref. Yeah. Knock on. Yeah. That inconsistency it was a knock on, and just, not a penalty. just inaccuracy is frustrating. So it brings me back to something which I've been saying for a long time, which is how lucky we are in the Premiership. The referees are so good and, and so consistent. I was thinking that when I was when I was watching this game, I was thinking, I know you, you well, you both like a conspiracy theory. Mm. How, how's this for one? So France are deliberately, France, the uh, Federation of French Rugby FFR uh-huh. are deliberately putting substandard referees out into to world undermine rugby. Brexit. To, uh, yeah, so undermine Brexit, uh, get international fishing waters for for the European Union, uh-huh. and because because the, so if the French rugby team are never going to play under a French referee, but you can effectively disrupt one in four of the other games against your biggest rivals. It will actually have a serious I, detrimental effect to how your opponents yeah, are going to be it playing. Yeah, it real mental anguish across the, the rugby commentary. That's some great 4D ch- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. It's pretty deep, yeah. Maybe I was just being particularly salty when I was getting frustrated with the refereeing decisions. It, well, I think legitimately, I, I don't like blaming a ref, and England had lots in their control, and they still could have won it, and they played some great rugby, and had they managed the game a lot better, not given away the brain-dead penalties, which had nothing to do with bad refereeing, it was yeah. just purely ridiculous decision-making, they could definitely have won that. Wales were the better team overall, yes. over 80 minutes, deserved to win, but England certainly could well, have won. So, so England have a lot in their control. However, I think this is one of those times where you can legitimately say... This was an outrageously poor refereeing decision. In terms of which any, one? Any which indi- one? In terms of any individual player on the field, you, uh, you know you can cr- you can criticise a player, and we said earlier, Daly didn't have his best day at the office. He'll he'll be hurting from that himself. Uh, it's not even being on, I'm not being unkind. I'm just stating what I believe to be a fact. Pascal Galzer was the worst performing person involved in that game. It's an interesting one, okay? So I'm kind of reticent to criticise many referees, except when they go to the TMO. I'm quite happy to mock their language going to the TMO and the amount of time it takes. But actually, them and their decision-making, usually speaking, is beyond the pale for me. I think, generally speaking, they all do a fairly good job. Galzer's, they do, absolutely, yeah. Galzer's an interesting one, okay? So we call, as a rugby community, all the time, um, for a little bit of understanding with, with with how they 
uh, interpret the laws. And I think the sport is now caught in between two stools of thought, which is, one, we want very precise refereeing, and we get this from the high tackle framework in particular, don't we? Where we go, okay, we know exactly how that happened, that happened, and you can follow the, the decision tree down and you get where you're coming from. And there's the other school of thought, which is, well, you just you just interpret what you see in front of you. You get a feel for it. Yeah, almost, you, almost like um, British common law, where it's based yeah. on precedent. Yeah. yeah. And, the, uh, and, so and like, sort of a general understanding based on previous like a, Yeah, like the Johnny May dive into the corner. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've seen that happen 50 times over the past few years. It's pretty much every single time been given us a try. Mm. It, you could argue based on the written law whether it should be a try or should not be a try, but precedent dictates it should be a try, yeah. in my opinion. So Nigel Owens was the master at kind of just letting things flow. Yeah, getting the say. feel let for it, you know he knows when something's gone dare, wrong. Dare I say letting the boys play? Letting the boys Absolutely. play. Absolutely. Wayne Bond's a bit more precise. Matt Carley is incredibly precise with, yes. it, uh, with the laws, and you know, and both. I don't think one is right or one is wrong. But I think <laughs> where you struggle, I think you think one's right. Well, no, I'm I'm now coming to the opinion that, well, so I'd probably be a bit more let the boys play, but maybe a bit less so than you guys. But I'm now with this the opinion, if you're going to be pushing everything through the TMO and scrutinising everything in individual frames, then you kind of have to go down the written word route. And well, like You've I- opened Pandora's box and... Unless unless yeah. you're going to go totally the other way and every decision is based on gut feel, but then you'd never be going to the TMO. No. So if you look at the NFL, everything from like the fumble of the ball, did he complete the process? I mean, some, some of the decisions are so precise and ridiculous uh, that it really slows down the game. But that's the way they've gone, and everyone can understand it, got it, right? My solution to this is an absolute dog's breakfast. And that is, <laughs> we need two different standards of refing. One for around the breakdown, which is kind of much more loose. I don't know what you call that. And then one for when they're standing up for, you know, for open play. Anyway, so back to how does this refer to Galzer? Well, Galzer, in my mind, did the knock-on call exactly according to the letter of, letter of the law. Exactly. I think he made the right call. Mm. But he also made a judgment call in regards to Owen Farrell. And Owen Farrell's right, actually. I thought Owen Farrell looked like an idiot when he was arguing with Galzer. But I hadn't seen the other angle afterwards. And in the other angle, actually, Owen Farrell, it stacks up a lot more what he was saying. A lot more. But I don't... I, it, it strikes me he's got two different decision processes going on there. A very sort of laissez-faire one for... Which, oh, by the way, when he's been told consistently by World Rugby, speed the game up, speed the game up, speed the game up. Dan Big's like, can I play rugby now or, or what? You know, he goes, right, time on. And the other thing about that first one as well, which I think no one has really cottoned on to, they're blaming Galzer. I blame Owen Farrell a little bit. Of course you do. But the guy who deserves credit is Dan Bigger. Yeah, yeah, Dan Bigger. Martin Johnson, you know, even at half time, fuming as he was, said, you got to say, it was great, great play and brilliant execution by Dan Bigger. That's the trick in the book. yeah. Like my old PE teacher used, uh, used to tell me about, uh, I think Neil, I think, I think was it Neil? Neil Jenkins did it. Like they said, the referee said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And he goes, "I'm not telling you, sir." And he goes to put it down as if he's play, playing, you know, going to go going for, for the kick. Uh, place kick. Um, but he said, "I'm not telling you." Then, ta- then, then, then taps and goes. The reason I blame Farrell for this is not. I mean, I think Farrell has got the referee banged to rights uh, so afterwards. But the reason I blame him for blame Farrell for it is because he never clarified what Bigger was going to do. So if he asks the referee, what? Well, 
I'll talk to my players. What's he going to do? This is all sorted. The fact is, he didn't know what Dan Big was going to do. He assumed he no, knew what Big was going to no, do. But there is one bit. Okay, so like, I, so I don't think he assumed he knew what Big was going to do. I think he assumed, probably rightly, that the referee would at least give him a, a signal that he's going to be putting time back on. Yeah, and that's where everyone's back. I, I, even. Um, even um, Sam Warburton said, I would be livid if I was Cap- Owen Farrell in that situation. I- because the, the referee says, you've, before before that, you've had three penalties in a row. Correct. You, you need to sort out. Go and have a word with your players. Owen Farrell gets his players in, as he's been told to do by the referee. And there was a stop down for an injury. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, look, t- time, the- Time's off. Half the England team are in a huddle not even facing the ball because time is off. Yeah, but there's even within that time off part, there's another bit which wasn't mentioned Owen Farrell um, speaks to the referee and says you go and speak to your team Owen Farrell goes to speak to his team walks back towards Galzare and just says sir time off and Galzare then says time off and that being is time so, off so, so, so Farrell <laughs> has Farrell has done what the ref was doing what the referee asked but actually as a leader and thinking about this he went he, he then went back to the referee Do you to, not think- to, to check time off sir and the referee then signalled. It was only when Farrell said to him, "Is time off?" He then said, "Time off." And f- t- for what t- to do it the way? What the, the, the Galzer's wrong, by the, the way. Galzer's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Galzer, is, uh, when Farrell went over to him afterwards, Galzer said, "I put time on and then gave you time." No, no he didn't. No, he did yeah. not. No, he did not. That is not fair. I, I, but I thought, on the other hand, do you not think Owen Farrell should know what Dan Beggar's going to do? No. Well, then, I, I, that's, Owen, Owen Farrell should have had time that should have been notified, even if it's three seconds or five seconds that we're going to put time back on. I, I genuinely, I mean, I, I genuinely I, thought that that the refereeing for that was an absolute disgrace. It, it like, was really. But I if thought Farrell that was, knew, if Farrell said, "Give me the decision now, Dan. What are you doing?" Then there is no crossfield kick because Dan Big would have to declare that he was going to kick or tap. Well, you'd have he, to do he, it. He, he doesn't have to. Yeah, he, does. he, he doesn't have to do it because, uh, no, because you've got to says. say I'm going for the posts. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but he doesn't, if he's not going for the post, which well, he's not going oh, well, for the then, posts, well then England don't don't go into huddle. But England have been told to have a word with the players oh, yeah, 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 and fine. told that time is off. Yeah, the, yeah when, like because like, he put time, he, he put time on when England were, were in a but, huddle chatting, having okay. Let me. Well, I can't. Let, but I can't believe. Let me put this a different way, right? If Owen Farrell from now on, forever and a day, always says and demands to know what the player is going to do with the ball but in his hands, it's not for Owen will, Farrell to demand. He will it. never ever find, find himself in this <laughs> position again. Have you? Have you got any example of a player actually doing that from from the past? Yeah, people always ask. Well, what's he doing? What, what's when? the decision? I, I, I've, ne- I've never. I've certainly you, never noticed. You that. would never. If so, if, the, the, if the player's got, got to signal, I'm going for the posts. That's yeah, it. Yeah. But if the player hasn't signaled, I mean, everyone assumed Dan Bigger was going for the posts. No, I, no, I, I see. I disagree no. with that. Uh, I think that's fundamentally wrong. I don't think Farrell at all assumed. I, look, I, I think I'm not was, saying Farrell's not been done over here. He has been done over by the ref. But I'm yeah. also saying he could have. He could have prevented it. Yeah, but I think that assumption, or you assuming that he'd assume that, is wrong. Because I don't think he'd assume that at all. Elliot Daly. Elliot Daly in the second half on about sixty-eight minutes uh, did assume that uh, Kieran Hart, well, yeah. that that, that uh, Callum Sheedy would put over another penalty. Um, he did assume that wrongly because it, the play was live. Yeah. Owen Farrell on this occasion, I don't the think only, he did the only way I would let Farrell off on that on this is if Dan Bigger had said that we're going to go for the corner anyway, because then um, 
the Farrell. It's all irrelevant. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't let irrelevant. Farrell off. I wouldn't let Farrell off if he'd specifically said go for the corner. Well, if if England had been given the time. So if if Bigger says we're going for the corner, but then Farrell is given the time to set up properly and he doesn't set up to cover the crossfield kick, then that's stupid. Yeah. Then I would not let Farrell if, off in that if situation. If Bigger said I'm going to go for the corner. Yeah. Um, and then Galzer said go talk to your players, and Farrell's completely in the clear because. Galzer's got to give him time to set up. It's just not fair. It's, that's but, just not what? fair. No, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, got, he's got to give time to set yeah. up in this but scenario. If, if, if Galzer said nothing, Dan Biggers said, said nothing, and everyone's just assuming that they go for the go, go, go for the post. Galzer's still in the wrong. But if Owen Farrell knows, it's, knows irrelevant. What it's all irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. It's but not, yeah, I, I, th- I think I think that I think your assumption that Big that um, Farrell had assumed that Bigger was going for the post is wrong. I don't think he assumed that at all. He was just talking to his players. I think he did, but I, anyway, I, I think everyone did. Um, the other, what, you think everyone? No, I, I, well, George, George Ford didn't. George Ford didn't. Um, George Ford was was well, okay. And the other thing I blame Farrell for, and this is far more egregious than that, far more egregious, was his line of arguing back, like back to the ref. And his line of arguing was not "you were wrong with your time on and time off." You're really, right? re- you're really tr- the, having to stretch to make this no, Owen no. Farrell. This, this the, reminds me the, of the um, Owen Farrell hates Ben Spencer yeah. argument. Oh my god, yeah. he hates Ben Spencer. Um, <laughs> the other, yeah, this is far more egregious. Which is, um, don't argue that you could notice all the water carriers, but not notice one of the world's best finishers. Yeah, I mean, how, that, that, that is a perverse argument. How no. many, t- how many times have you in the moment? not been able to process and articulate. Think about the number of things going on in his head. And actually, what the best thing to have said afterwards was, Sarah, I checked with you, time was off. And that, I was and I was doing what you asked us to do. Exactly, that is the by far the, be, the by far the best. Of story. course, but you don't you don't always to think me, of the it, right it, thing to yeah. say. To at, me, it, at it the sounds moment. like he's marked at the water uh, uh, the water carriers rather than the man on the outside. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> um, the other one. So I think we've done that one to death. The other one, yeah. It was a slight difference of opinion on yeah, it, but and, and on this one, you th- you think Pascal Galzer was absolutely right. I'll just I'll just um, replay the moment because I it was quite. It was very punchy uh, commentary from the BBC. I felt. Have well, a, have the BBC have got a lot to answer for. Ha- have a listen. Have a listen to this. Very very punchy. I'm, I'm, it's um, Eddie Butler, Jiffy, and Brian, Brian Moore. Moore. P- pretty sure it's Brian Moore. Sadly, it is. Brian Moore, very punchy. <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, no, <laughs> this is one of those things where I strongly think. You go with your gut, and it's a knock-on. But I also understand when you have to go through the process, it's not a knock-on. Yeah, I, I think this I, is I, one that... I don't get that. You go in, if you go through the process, it's not a knock-on. No, it, it if, if that is not a knock-on, the game I have been playing since I was five years old, I don't recognise. Well, th- this is one of those rules versus precedent things, or laws versus precedent, because that, I think, more often than not, is given as a knock-on where more, is a knock-on. not even more often than not, like or, or, in, almost, in almost every every is. circumstance. It's like the argument letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, isn't it? Letter of the law, you can make an argument that it's not a knock-on, but in the spirit of the law, it's a knock-on. The knock-on is there to punish, 
um, well, wrongly, I might add, uh, is there to punish mistakes. Like a skill. Yeah, mistakes, yeah. isn't it? Errors. That's a mistake. It's yeah, a knock-on. Yeah. That, that's yeah. how I would process that. But I think in, in the law, I just think it's, it's a bit more grey. If, if the, the law the, is grey, the law needs to be clarified. Well, yeah, and that's, that's kind of my point that I made before, where if you are going to go through frame-by-frame frame incidents like this and he fumbles the ball, it travels forward, but then it hits his leg and then travels back, and the, the law doesn't... It's, it's a bit grey as to whether that is actually... Because if you drop the ball forward and kick it, then... Well, that's, that's that wouldn't be a well, knock on. That, that you're in control of the ball in yeah. the act, in the act of kicking. But I'm not sure because again, that's precedent yeah. rather than the words of yeah. the law. Well, exactly. So, so, as, so as I say, the game the game of rugby I've played my entire life is if, if yesterday is now the common law that we all operate under. Fine, but it's a completely different game that I've yeah. played my whole life. And this this is where. If if that is going to have to, going to be the way that is going to be going forward, I think there needs to be a, a directive or a, a change, a sharpening of the laws. And it's it's the same with a lot of things. Like there are laws in the game that are just not officiated at all. Like the hooker being off the pitch of off the field of play when they throw in a line out, scrum ass, scrum ass, feeding straight, ball going straight. Like those are two things that the, the law says clearly one thing, and every single scrum and line out it is an opposite way yeah. so the, the law as written is one thing and as Pe- precedent people, is over here people rocking should remain on their feet yeah uh, can't have your hi- hi- shoulders lower than your hips yeah. I, th- I think I think, that, I think that is actually in the law that book. is in the law because I've seen George Smith get done, done for it when he first started yeah. juggling but that these you've, you've got to make a decision like this if you are going to analyse every single frame which I don't have a problem with necessarily um, if if it means the correct decisions are made and, and correct in terms of whatever the law book says or precedent, whichever route we're going down, but you've got to have it right. You've got to have the clear process so that everyone is on the same page. And I bang on about consistency in in application of the law. You got consistency in the laws to have consistency in application of laws. Well, do you know what FIFA say? Because obviously they're not standing organisation who we should all we should, we should all copy. Oh yes, but FIFA make the point or did make the point for the longest time. That they want the game at the highest level to talk about the game at the lowest level, i.e., yeah. what you know, three officials or you know, whatever it is, right? And with rugby, I think there's an argument for that because I don't know if there is a referee in the world who does not call that a knock on just on first sight in, oh, at match speed, yeah. And that's the important part, isn't it? And this is what I mean by do we want this super precise level of refereeing? And this is why I keep referring to the high tackle framework because that's when I think this new mindset has been, um. Well, this new mindset started. But the new mindset has been clarified by the the framework. So everyone knows what's going on. Mm. Now with other things, you've got like this exactly like this decision where there is no clear... Laws say one thing, precedents say another. Yeah, and, pre- pre- and you're going to have the, the, the conflict. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those things that, that... One of those type of decisions that infuriate me, <laughs> me because um, it's a bit like those times when... A pass goes backwards but doesn't go to someone's hand and then bounces forwards and it gets given as a forward pass. Yeah, yeah. I, they, I dislike that. They wind stuff like that winds me up, and I put this in that category. It's clearly you mean like when on. they drop yes, it and it goes backwards his... but it rolls forward. Yeah, is that the same thing? Yeah, I yeah. hate that. I, I hate that. I, I, I put this in the same, in yeah. exactly the same boat. So I would what? give any any that travels backwards but then bounces forward. That's not a forward that's pass. That's Not a forward pass. Yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense that it no. would be. No, but. But, uh, and I put this one in with that. Lewis Reese Zamet knew it was a knock-on. 
Uh, <laughs> Everyone knew it was a knock-on. Everyone clearly a knock-on. I, 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 but but hey, the but ref- clearly isn't a knock-on. The is referee it? and the assistant referee and the two assist uh, yeah and the TMO, TMO and the yeah. two assistant referees because before he gave it the the referee and said uh, any TMO. Uh, do England guys? slow down a bit for it as well? Does yeah. it sort of like canter over a little bit gingerly? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. And you, you just have to look at uh, oh, Lewis, they, they, they didn't Reece celebrate. Up. None of them celebrated. No. So Just look at Lewis Rees Summit's face when yeah. it's given. So Liam Williams is effectively doing another schoolboy thing, isn't he? Which is playing to the whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and England are not. And these are the, the little details which I guess when you're not sharp, you'd miss out. I'm not sure how much he's not sharp. I don't. I don't know how to attribute it. again. Same with the penalties. Just plays the whistle. I don't know. It's live until the yeah. whistle says otherwise. Well, yeah. I mean, that England, is like England did on that play, but yeah. yeah. Well, so, you know, well yeah. here's the thing about those two tries, okay. I know I'm knocking England for having 40 points put on them. It's bloody bad. But it's a 16-point loss. Um, if in, if Wales have not got two tries in the bag already, England play a different style totally. of rugby. Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like it's yeah. not a fair reflection if you don't think that those two tries should have stood. Yeah. And you know, then you're talking about a different conversation. Yeah, and then yeah. The, the 40 points, because England were chasing the game in the last 10 minutes, they... Then played in mm. a different way, which led to the yep. inter- intercept and then led to Corey oh. Hill's try. How fast? Uh, let's talk about something positive. Yeah. How fast is Lewis Rees? <laughs> He's ridiculous. He's quite fast, isn't he? He, uh, but his his gait and his style is so effortless he's like a, a proper thoroughbred when he's running when he's accelerating away from Johnny May and Johnny May is running he's had a bad effect on Johnny May hasn't well, he just him existing Johnny May to... is going flat out to the point where his form is going all over the place and Rhys Summit is just gliding he's so compact isn't he the way oh, he runs it's it's absolutely beautiful to yeah. see it's uh, yeah he's a proper yeah thoroughbred you're right he's yeah crazy. Oh, interesting. I've just been sent a story on on uh, WhatsApp. We don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, go on. Ben Burb. Don't know what Ben Burb is. is. that a place? County County Tyrone, of course it's County Tyrone. What were they doing? Police break up crowd of 250 watching a fight. Awesome. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, wow. that, makes, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> wow. uh, hang on. Uh, Inspector Breely O'Connor said the gathering was clearly a breach of COVID-19 lockdown regulations. <laughs> I'm not sure that's their problem. I'm not sure that's their overriding concern. Um, to re-summit, positive, rapid. Mm-hmm. Another positive, Ben Young's had his one in ten games where he, he looks like a world-class player. He looked very good, didn't, didn't he, Ben Young's? He did. He, he, looked, he looked great. He took his try well. His Some of his speed of ball and some of his, his passes actually to the right place for the... Incredible stuff. For the, the, well, the build-up to the Watson the wrong try. Place, depending on what style you're playing. Well, yeah, if you're trying to get your players jumping in to get the opposition yellow-carded, which he was probably... That's mm. what was the... It probably was, was what he was doing. Like, yeah, that's what he was trying to do, but they were going into the right into the breadbasket every time. Anyway, he's a lovely try and a lovely little break. So, yeah, did all right. Yeah. Um, that's probably it for the positives. What about the um, what, what, what about the broadcast? What about the broadcast itself? <laughs> I I love Sam Warburton. I love I, Sam I think, I think well. Warbs. Maybe. I mean, how can you soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys? <laughs> but he he ma- he manages it. Yeah, oh, he's, sorry, he's brilliant. J- j- just to bookend the. The chat about the the Galzer situation it, it has come up, um, and we've been reminded a bunch of times. One by Peter Shaw here on Twitter at Rugby Podcast, who said um, he remembers Paul Honnis, the referee, doing exactly the same to South Africa at Lansdowne Road in two thousand and four. 
Um, he was John Smith was the captain for South Africa at the time, told to go and talk to his team. They they got in a huddle. Ronan O'Gara took a tap penalty and scored the match-winning points. Wow, good mm. knowledge, very good knowledge. That is good there. knowledge. Tracking stuff. Seventeen years ago, and, and South Africa still uh, that still pain in South Africa now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Bro- broadcast. War- just, just give me more Warburton. Yeah. Just, just. I want to get his views on everything. He always talks sense. He's well informed. Hate, yeah. yeah. And everything else. I hate to say it. It was woeful. It was absolutely <laughs> woeful. The commentary team is woeful. I see. I quite. There's something Eddie about. Butler is fine. There's something, but there's something about that that combo of Butler, Jiffy, and Brian Moore that it's. They're not. I'm not looking to them for analysis. I'm no. not looking to them for insight or intellect. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's almost like, like go on, shout numbers, Jiffy. Come on. It's like putting on an old comfy jumper and a pair of <laughs> pair of joggers that you're like, oh, this and is. To be fair, a lot of times you never hear them because because Six Nations is designed for the pub, yeah, or the stadium. It's not a spectator sport in the same way the Premiership is at home. Uh, so yeah, there and, is and, that. Yeah, and as much as and I've said this before, as much as I love analysis and punditry and I think that Austin Healy and Ben Kay are the best in the business at it yeah. uh, uh, making the complex simple in very very bite sized amounts of time and with real analytical skill this is aiming at the bottom of the no this no, is, no 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 wait I'm no, so no, angry no. about this no, 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 no. That, I, that's I, what it I, is though yeah, I agree I agree with, it. I agree with what you're saying I'm not saying I, I you know, therefore, this shouldn't be used at, at this level. I'm just saying, just remember, actually, this is the most. This is the biggest game of the year. Yeah, England Wales, Wales England, biggest game of the year for 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 UK and Ireland broadcasters. Well, UK broadcasters, and the most watched one, and most watched by people who do not watch yeah. any other time. It might, it might this have is so egregious. Like- Actually, you know, you've got the keys to the crown jewels and this is what you do with it. <laughs> this is what you decide is a good idea. Whoever produces this, who's ever in charge of the, of the BBC broadcast, needs needs to be fired. I, I, I kid you not, it's an absolute scandal. Cancel culture. Yeah, I, I mean, let me give you an example. Okay, um, well, let's go around this the other way. Let's talk about the Twitter outrage first uh, regarding those post-match interviews. Has anyone got any strong views on it? On which bit of it? So I've not actually seen. Have you not? Seen, okay. The, okay. So no, I've seen the tweet. I've not seen the tweets that led to the tweet. Here's here's all I'll say on the matter is I admire anybody who goes on live television. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, yeah. And, and puts their head in a difficult situation. Hundred percent. Asking questions to um uh, to someone that's probably not going to like the answers. And you know I haven't I haven't done it to an audience of the size I would love a shot a yeah. lot of people would love the shot I mean, it's a very privileged position yeah well, that, that, that's what I would say it's uh, I admire anyone that, that does that and um, it's a very very lonely place sometimes and I, I know that myself it, it, it's an absolutely amazing place to be in, and an amazing thing to be able to do when you know in, in my case I've loved rugby since I was five years old to if you'd have told the you know, a ten-year-old me, I'd be doing what, I'm, what I've done. I, I wouldn't. I'd just be. Yeah. I couldn't. I wouldn't believe my luck. Yeah. I, I, I've won the lottery in that sense. Um, yeah. It's, but it can be a very, very lonely and uh, and tough place. And I admire anyone that, that does it. That's all I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, every other podcast in the world is is going to say that. So I'll say something slightly different, which is, uh, I mean, the questions to Owen Farrell and. Alan Wynn 
I thought were not particularly well. I don't think they were particularly well crafted. I don't think they were particularly skilled. And I don't think that they were delivered particularly well. I don't actually think, though, that it was the worst part of the broadcast. I don't think it was terrible, but it just wasn't at the very highest level. Because when what you're trying to do, effectively, is you're not trying to get out the information from the player, um, which is literal. And I'll give you an example. Last week we had, or last week, two weeks ago, we had Hamish Watson. And Hamish Watson um, was hauled, o- hauled over the coals because he said the red cards, when asked about the red cards, he said the red cards were wrong. And it was, oh, Hamish Watson doesn't get it and he wants all yeah. his mates to die of head injuries, right? That isn't, the, that isn't the reason that you ask Hamish Watson that question. You ask him that question to, fit, to work out how he feels because that's the only thing you can get. You don't want him to analyse the game. It's in, he's incapable of doing so. He's just come off the, come off the field, so, so on and so forth. So with Owen Farrell, there's a, there's a few things that we know he can't say. So he's not going to say. He can't criticise the ref. Yeah. And it'd be very, very unwise to, uh, to criticise his teammates. So you've not really left him with much of an option there. Um, from my point of view, it's unskilled because the, the person questioning him just carries on over and over again down the same line, so, wanting a reaction from him. And the problem you've got with Owen Farrell is Owen Farrell is rubbish at media. He's a cant- cantankerous git. But that's why he's England captain, because those are some of the qualities that actually make him into a great player. You know, it goes two ways. And I just thought... I, I, was, I don't think cantankerous git, so... <laughs> oh, he absolutely <laughs> is. He is assessment. a miserable, media-hating... <laughs> no. Um, I, always, I always like him. He, he's intense. He's, he's intense. Pre match he's intense. He's intense. And prob- right. probably what he is, he's a total rugby nose. He just wants... To, he just. He's like, a bit like Johnny Wilkinson... Talk yeah, about talk about rugby. Into, he'll yeah. go all day long. Yeah, yeah but Look, he, he just wants he just wants he to did, win. Is this thing? So he'll be furious. He he wasn't happy, was he? And he he wasn't happy, and he's in a corner, right? Now, on the abuse thing, this is this is the big story, and this really has wound me up because it's it's hijacked the whole event. Um, a handful of trolls have decided to make their views known. Um, there's two types of abuse, really. I I think. So the first one can be discounted. So if I have a if I have a restaurant and I serve Chinese food and someone gives me a review saying I hate Chinese food, always hated it, and here's why I hate this Chinese restaurant, I can discount that pretty quickly. They just don't they just don't, don't like me. It's not a serious review. You don't need to listen you don't need to listen to it. And I think that's where most of the most of this criticism comes from. It's it's nonsense. But the other type of criticism we get, and I'll draw from my personal experience, is you look at some of our Apple reviews, right? And in there, there's loads of criticisms of myself personally. And one of the things they say is, uh, he interrupts too much, which is fine. Now, if one person said it, I'd say, bit of an idiot. Two people say it, well, maybe they're both idiots. By the time you get to the third or fourth person, you're now thinking, maybe there's a pattern here. Maybe I need to learn. And if everybody is saying stuff continuously all the time, some of these guys might be utter trolls, but other people... You might well be. It might well be worth listening to, because not everyone is wrong all of the time, and I don't think that is necessarily abuse. I think there is an element there where you go right. I'm on the biggest stage. We've got a huge audience. It's not like a podcast thing where people can turn off or turn on. This is the only place to get the biggest game in the country, in the world, in the world at that time. Right? Maybe I take this on board and move. Um, 
and move forward. And that's not to excuse actual abusive tweets, but that's just the rea- the, which, rea- which, the reality of the Well, that of should never be, never be excused, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's personal, but it, there if, again, if, if it's just personal abuse, you can discount that. Yeah. No one, no one cares. And th- that is a very good point. Anyone yeah. who starts it saying, and I, I've not seen any of the tweets, so I'm not saying that this is what they're saying, but if someone says, you are a useless woman or anything to that effect, that just gets, should. And it's, it, but it's, I know it's not that simple, because if you're emotional, if 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 it, you're doing a job that where it's exactly as you said, Tim, where you're in the the public eye, um, and it is high pressure and emotional, it's not always that easy to and just it step back. Different people in different ways. Yeah, it affects me far more than it affects Tim or you. I, I really hate it. But on the other hand, if enough people say it, you're going to have to say, well, well, what is it that I can do to Im- to Im- to yeah. to improve? Because they're, they're and Twitter's probably not the best place for constructive criticism, but exactly as you set out, there is there is potentially some learning points in this. And I, I think Un- understatement of the century, right there from Phil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, well, but on, on the, the learning points are like, like you you set some of them out. But Sonia basically asked the same question over and over again to Owen Farrell, which was, I've got no problem about her challenging him and asking him that. A, yeah. a couple of times, but she asked it basically the same question four times to Farrell. She then asked the same question two or three times to Alan Wynn. She then asked the same question a couple of times to Wayne Pivak, and she asked the same, effectively the same question about bad refereeing five times to Eddie Jones, mm. and none of them gave her any content of any use. Yeah, like she got nothing from asking the same question more than ten times. Now that's that's not c- constructive for the for me as a viewer wanting to learn about the players, their feelings, their mindset, what went well, what went wrong. Yeah, I get zero out of that. Exactly, and that's know, that's a the, bit frustrating. Yeah, and what the reason I use my example of like the reviews is because I ran into a really good friend of mine, a really good friend, and he doesn't hate me. And he and, you know he asked me, JB, why do you always interrupt? And I'm like, do I? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, you do. And what made me think about this in particular is like, just because someone is disagreeable and they might even be a bit of a dickhead doesn't mean that they're wrong. And for every one of those that says it, there might be a a lot more that are not saying it. And that's why you should pay attention. And the worst thing I think that can happen now um, is to is to look on Twitter and go, oh, actually, everyone supports me. I should just carry on as it. Uh, as I am, the best course of action is to phone someone you trust and say, "Give me your absolutely brutal, honest opinion." Was of this these good? questioning? Yeah, these w- questions. Was this yeah. good? Was this bad? Can I improve? And don't just say, "I, you know, you're a hero or an inspiration or this, that, and the other." Tell me the truth. Was it good or was it bad? And, and, the, and it. The, there was good stuff in there. There was and good stuff in there. Sonia yeah. is a talented broadcaster. Exactly right. I I know from the tiny bit of live TV and radio that I've done, I know I would just. I would just melt. I would fall apart in that situation. Yeah. And a tiny bit of like live shows we've but done. But what really has annoyed me about the whole thing is it's hijacked the whole weekend of rugby. It's even on the BBC Sports page. I mean, the BBC have been, you know, risable um, in what in what they've done. Um, you know, the halftime show. Let's just talk about talk about <laughs> about the halftime show because this really really gets to me. We had two or three minutes of Martin Johnson ranting. And then we, we had, had we had some warbs. We had a yeah. bit of, we had a minute of warbs making perfect sense. Yeah. And then we yeah. had ten minutes of Nigel, sorry, Nigel Owens talking to Jiffy about coming out. Now, this is an important story. 
uh, it's a story that all rugby, rugby uh, people should be proud of because one of our most cherished rugby personalities is gay. And as Nigel Owen said in his little 10 minute thing, um, you know, rugby isn't homophobic. Fantastic. And, and more than that, and just, just to, to build on that, one of the things since that I love most about rugby is every time a player, coach, referee, someone prominent uh, comes out or reveals something about themselves. I love how little it, it, actually, it actually resonates because yeah. it doesn't matter. To rugby, it doesn't matter. But it's it's great. As far as I could tell about the story, it wasn't even a story about Nigel Owens coming out. We know he's gay. It is, you know, it's, it, we don't need to, to, to repeat it. This is a story about how the BBC covered it. It was a story about the BBC. I want Nigel Owens on my screen telling me about the two. You know, This is what annoys me. that We've got a presenter, sorry, not presenter, a producer somewhere in the BBC who had so little faith in the game they didn't think they could fill 15 minutes with... The action from four, from the, a whole half of the biggest game of the year. They didn't think they they they, they could do that, and I don't think I don't know if they thought they couldn't do it because they don't have the talent to think of the segments. They don't have the skill of the, of the analysts. I don't know what they were thinking. No, I think it was it was actually this is. I think it was a very much an awareness of this is the biggest game of the year. This is the most watched match we're going to have, and here's an opportunity to. And it was hey, mate, it, it was done with. Great intentions, and as you say, it is, it is a great story, and it is an important story. It's and, so important. And, uh, yeah, they they obviously they felt, and again, I'd I'd maybe let the BBC off a little bit with this because I'll come back to it and say, for most people, half time might not be. Oh, I'm going to really get stuck into the analysis and get into the weeds here. I'm going to go and get a cup of tea, and oh yeah. no, oh, look, it's nice. Oh, it's, oh, that's nice because millions of people are watching this. My view on it, right, is it is an important story, and it's so important that it deserves more than ten minutes in, like in. Um, in between the halves, it, it deserves a lot, um, a lot more than that. And also, you do it at the end of the game when you can actually dedicate some time to it. Don't just ram it in the middle of the middle of the most important game. I, we don't do this with any other type mm. of type of broadcast, do we? We're, we're not watching Sir David, uh, uh, Sir David Attenborough and <laughs> you know dolphins catching tuna, and we're going to interrupt this for five minutes because yeah. one of the film crew is gay. Uh, and now we're going to go back to dolphins catching tuna. That would be absolutely absurd. <laughs> but we do watch absolutely absurd. But we do watch a, a musical performance in the middle of the Super Bowl, for example. Yes, we do. I mean, and, and all the adverts are sort of made a big thing of. Yeah, I just think like th- there is a time for that, and it's important. We should definitely, definitely do it. And we should definitely acknowledge it. And there's also a time for analysis of the biggest game during during halftime. Yeah. And that is that is that. I I I I'm sympathetic to that. I think you can indulge if there is ever a time to indulge and let the let get great people that can break down games and really get into Why is the Why is not breaking down the game? Well, yeah. Why is he not talking about well, the game? That's what he's he great at. Cuz he's probably the most cited name since the since the action he's been he's been mentioned his opinion has been written up in newspapers when i watched bt sport earlier today ben k said well you know nigel owens has written up his thoughts on these two decisions yeah i mean he's the kind of guy they they should have had on the team for exactly this kind of thing he'll give some great insight anyway but then if there, when there is a couple of massive impacts how much would you have loved to have heard oh, him talk about goodness it? me just you know they've got the, they've got what every broadcaster wants and that is the Six Nations, and this is what they do with it. They don't deserve their jobs. They really don't. It's um, a disappointing... End. Oh, there's disappointing elements to that, isn't there? Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous. Mm. And, you know, you wonder why uh, people are tuning out of sports left, right and centre and big broadcasts, and it's because of this. It's because of this. 
Like we just yeah, want it, well, the sport. Like in the wake of the Scotland England game, it was. I think the great thing about rugby is every coach, every player. Um, there's n- not been an issue within the sport. Some people want to kneel. Some people want to stand up. Fine, but that became the talking point after England Scotland. Mm. Instead of what a great what a great win for Scotland. Yeah, people are talking about Sonia's post match interview more than they are the game, and I just well, don't think uh, you know it's just not it's not good for rugby. Uh, you know, I can't. I just don't think it's good. Uh, well, it's not. It's not a good look for rugby at all. Well, uh, my my sister in law mentioned it. So she had. No, she doesn't care at all about sport. Never mind rugby. Mm. And she mentioned the Sonia yeah. McLaughlin thing to me. And the last thing about this is like we've just handed over all of the power of our entire sport on this particular thing to trolls who don't matter. That, that's what yeah. we just handed them the initiative. So now. I, I guess if you're a troll with, with ill intent, the thing you do is straight after a game is set up a new Twitter account, Johnny six four nine two five, uh, or you know Cammy Black six sixty five ten twenty, <laughs> and you just go out and troll. That, that's yeah. all you do. Just because, be a nasty vitriolic troll. Oh, I hate it all. I hate it all. <laughs> I hate it all. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, well, I'll just I'll just go back and say I'm, I, I've deliberately kept out of the conversation. Wise. Except to say, just it's uh, it's a, it can be, and I, I'll say this from personal experience, both radio, TV, rugby, and not rugby, it, it can feel a very very lonely place. Yeah, I, I can only imagine when you're in, with got that much pressure in front of that many people. Yeah, yeah, and um, that is that is a downside from from what is like I I I take that equation every time. Yeah, <laughs> those moments for, 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 the, for the job you get to do and the th- and the places you get to be and the things you, and the things you get to see um, and the vantage point, the, the stories and the memories that I have and I've not got to that level. Um, uh, yeah, they're they're worth it, but that doesn't make doesn't mean doesn't make it fun. It's it's it, it can be it, can, it sometimes can very much not be, but yin and yang. We've got a week off Six Nations ne- ne- next week. We have. Is there any? Have you seen any news as to when um, France Scotland might be played? Oh yeah, this is a real disappointment because the obvious it, thing is next weekend. Yeah, but then a lot of the Scotland title nine, fight. title nine. How oh, isn't title nine the US? Yeah, that's the US thing that Barack Obama brought in, which had very yeah. unintended. Let's like, not talk about the title yeah. Nine. Let's not talk about that. But <laughs> regulation nine. We, we talk about uh, the laws of unintended consequences in rugby. The laws of unintended consequences of title nine, which had the best. Don't talk inten- about title nine. Best of, best of intentions, but opened cans of worms all over the shop. Anyway. Uh, regulation um, nine, which is equally as uh, controversial. Well, Scotland could be without half their team if, yeah. if because uh, they won't be. It's not an official uh, weekend, so they'd so, be back to their Premiership clubs. So this means Super Saturday is not going to be Super Saturday. Nothing's going to be wrapped is, up yeah, on Super Saturday. Which is a shame because no one will be in the pubs. So who cares? Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, who cares? Um, no one will be on a tier two tour. Not this year. What was I thinking oh. about that? Uh, Title Nine, no, uh, no, the other one. Have, regulation, regulation nine. nine. Okay, so Regulation Nine, uh, the geniuses at the Wales Online. Did I talk about this last week? We we're effectively um, talking about something along the regions of: Is it fair that people in the Premiership get to have to play while the England team don't? Okay, does that make sense? Do you see what I mean? Is it fair that they? Yeah. Oh, so the so the any England squad players will get a week off. Next week, so they, they want to. So Wales Online were only a couple of weeks ago saying, "Isn't it? Isn't the Welsh uh, sixty cap rule wonderful? Look what it means. Players come back, uh, well, uh, but but then when yeah. it, when it doesn't work in their favour, well, uh, and hang on. they need to be then careful, they'll moan yeah. as well. Because isn't it? Well, I mean, look, litter pickers need litter. 
Uh, I, that is just you know a way of the world. Um, <laughs> I've not the, heard that phrase before. But it sounds, it yeah, sounds like I should have done. That's good. Uh, the, the WRU. I mean, for Wales Online to be whinging like this, doesn't this kind of work into WRU's hands because they want to bring their players back? I mean, far yes. from it being not fair, it's not like they're Scotland where Scotland don't have don't have a law where they need to bring their players back. Yeah, it's quite it's quite the opposite. In fact, if anything, they want they want England to tighten up on it. Maybe only they release them for four, you know, for four games out of five or something. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, was this kicked off because of these under? Ferguson, Ferguson, um, no uh, it's appeal kick- because in that, that it was a really interesting appeal. So he obviously got banned uh, for four games for um, no arm clear out of a rook headshot, um, but he was banned for four games. The appeal went for like three days, which everyone was speculating as to whether uh, he's come up with some new evidence to get off, but he hadn't. It was all around what were the meaningful games. Ah. So he got banned for four games, but managed to successfully argue that he would have been released by the Scotland squad and play for Glasgow for the two... Bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> total. Which, which interestingly, Peter O'Mahony didn't make those points. So when he got banned for whatever it was, four games or three games, um, he missed the whole of the rest but, of the tournament. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Well, it should just be consistent. Well, who was who, who, who was rep- representing him? Mr. S. Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, there was a Sale FC on, game. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah We've arranged a friendly with Sale FC. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, it, yeah, and it's a friendly. It's, it's a game of three halves, and each one of them is a separate game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was an old, some, um, Sonny Bill Williams got away with a game of three halves he, for one of them. Yes, I'm he sure did. Oh my word! Yeah. But yeah, it's just the inconsistent application. There's no way that the uh, Xander Ferguson would have been released for those two games. Well, You're starting tight head prop. Yeah, but you might have. I, I'm fine with that. Look, I, fine I'm with fine with it if it's consistent. Yeah. That's like because you got to ask like if he, was, he wasn't able to play for you, what would you do? Well, you would get rid of him. Yeah. So yeah, that's absolutely fine. It's yeah. Meaningful games, isn't it? He's missing meaningful games. Yeah, I've got no problem if that is being applied consistently. Yeah. Because he's not available for that Glasgow game. Actually. He's definitely not available. I mean, he wouldn't have been anyway, but, well, he might so, have been if he'd been dropped for form. So the w- reason I think it does make sense, joking aside, is because if it's at the end of the Six Nations, say, like, he's got the game now which he misses, right? So he got banned today for four games. And they said the next this next week coming was not a meaningful game for Glasgow. Presumably, he'd then miss two games for Glasgow on the back end, which yeah. I don't think is fair. So he should be able to miss one game for Glasgow and then two for Scotland and then one for Glasgow oh. again. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that is actually fair. That, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, that because does... otherwise you're saying you're missing three games for Glasgow because we're going to say you didn't, wouldn't play for that one. So that, you... that doesn't count, so yeah. you miss it anyway. So you'll just have to miss the last two. So the more interesting thing, though, Ooh, is, more. is the, the reason why the game got cancelled. Have you read any of the reports coming out of France on this? Uh, now... <laughs> I read things like they think that um, it's the coach that got COVID or something. Yeah, but it's it's also so the rumours as I've understood them, and it's, it's some dodgy Google Translate in this and um, kind of get hearing secondhand stuff. But so the rumour is, well, no, the official statement is that it was, I think it was their uh, strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. who brought it into the camp because obviously they've got their bubble. So yeah. he breached 
um, protocols and brought it into the camp. That's the official statement. But that official statement has allegedly changed three times from the FFR because... Who it, are they protecting? It's a cover-up because, uh-huh. because it's Gautier uh-uh. who, who totally breached protocols, came in positive and has then spread it around so, all of his yeah. star players. So I've seen some other things translated which basically say we can't trust the people investigating themselves or something. Oh, yeah. And it's really, it's gone to like the highest level of the French government. Which, that, do you know what? I find that comforting <laughs> that it's not just uh, in England that, that we have, um, I'm not saying that happened in the RFU, but you, senses where you go, are we being told everything here? <laughs> well, in those decisions. Um, I find it comforting that it's going to the highest level of the French government because that oh, does yeah. open up... Um, brown envelope situations to make this all go away. <laughs> it will, it will, I have no doubt that this will all be swept under the rug. I, I, but Gal, Gautier's been so careful, he's been wearing like full-on goggles. <laughs> full-on full face year mask, yeah, for, like for years. years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just unfortunate they happen to show a video of themselves celebrating wildly after yeah, spacing for the anthems, and then they get COVID. Uh, yeah. yeah it's just The optics are terrible on me, particularly when people are out to get you. Around this, uh, fine. It's, no, it's just quite funny. I yeah. think it's it's such a French story, isn't it? <laughs> it's the highest levels of the French government, though. I mean, beautifully yeah, French. They will, if that's the case, they will get off. The, what they don't want. Oh yeah, nothing bad. Like the Six bad. Nations committees uh, investigating. Or what this, I don't want is another year where we have to wait for the trophy presentation. Yeah, like to, in I, October. I feel like there should have been something in place call it a draw whatever you want i don't really care but just get a resolution for the end of the the tournament for for the end of march mm. or whatever 17th of march mm. agreed right i think that's it isn't it yeah we, we finished this one yeah no fixtures next week so right tim do, do you think all right uh thank you very much for your support at patreon.com forward slash egg chasers thank you very much for following at rugby podcast that jbeermore at cocker thank you very much for subscribing wherever you get yours we have another podcast coming in your feed the midweek domestic podcast uh, all your feedback emails and stuff contact eggchasers at gmail.com and i think possibly in the fallow week next weekend we will get stuck into some of those so tell us um what, what you want to say what you're thinking and uh i'm gonna see you on the next one let the boys play that was great 